tonight had something that uh, it's been on my heart for a while and I thought I would share with you. Um, I was thinking about the whole concept of evolution. I was raised in an evolutionary uh, teaching society. Some of you may uh, be a little older than I am and you can remember a time when maybe in school you had Bible studies or maybe even the teacher opened up the Bible, read a Bible verse or it came over the intercom or something like that. Uh, I did not grow up in that type of an environment. The uh, Supreme Court ruled those things unconstitutional in 1963, and I didn't go to school until 1965 or so. And so uh, with the exception of, of one time when my dad was in Vietnam, we uh, moved to Rogers, Arkansas, and I went to Northside Elementary School, and uh, my teacher was Mrs. Roberts. And Mrs. Roberts was old school. She had been teacher of the year several times. Nobody messed with Miss, Mrs. Roberts, not the uh, administration or anybody else. And that lady, uh, only time I ever saw it happen, would open up a Bible every morning and she would uh, read scripture and then she would have us stand and recite the Lord's Prayer before we started school. Illegal, yeah, but she didn't care and did it anyway. But that was my only taste of anything like that from a Christian teacher. All of my other teachers from uh, kindergarten all the way up through uh, the end of elementary school and certainly in junior high and high school and oh my goodness going to college and sitting in uh, one of those great big biology classes probably had 500 people in it and uh, listening to all of the things that uh, they would teach about evolution it was one of those things that was kind of troubling. And uh, there were times when, um, when I was younger, I would try to say, well, I don't believe in evolution. Why? Science has proven it. You know, that type of thing. Well, I uh, would remind you tonight, it's called the theory of evolution for a reason. The theory of evolution. And uh, does it matter? Well, I had one man that told me, oh, it doesn't matter. Evolution is just how God did it. And uh, what is written in Genesis chapter 1 is just symbolic. And it's a story, a myth, a legend to kind of explain that God did it. But those people were so ignorant, they had no idea how. Now we have all of the fossils and uh, everything that we uh, do in biology. Now we know and we've got it all nailed down. Well, the truth is it's not as nailed down as they might want you to think. And uh, I'm not going to try to do a Ron Carlson and prove that it's not true. I just ran across some things that uh, spoke to my heart out of the Word of God. And I asked myself the question, why is creation such a big deal to God? And if it is a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to us. It's not something we should overlook. It's not something we'd say, ah, well, you know, science is one thing and the Bible is another and they don't harmonize or anything like that. Or you believe what you want to believe, I'll believe what I want to believe. And uh, as one person told me one time, well, evolution over those millions and millions of years, God just, you know, spun the wheel, got it started, and then let nature take its course. Well, um, if you'll turn in your Bibles tonight to Psalm 100, let's look at that. You know that Psalm. Psalm 100, it's what everybody says when they can't sing well. Well, I'm supposed to make a joyful noise to the Lord. 
And uh, uh, it's actually the best translation is a joyful, a shout or a shout of joy to the Lord. We ought to be exuberant in our worship of the Lord and we ought to be um, vocal in our uh, worship of the Lord, not quiet, sitting on our hands and uh, being kind of passive about all of it. And uh, so I think you probably had enough time to find it now. So let's look at Psalm 100, okay? I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Yours may be just a tad different, but you'll get the idea. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. May I just kind of insert there? Not reluctance. There's enough of that. People serve the Lord. Well, I don't really want to. And I'm reluctant. Oh, it takes up so much time and energy. Well, not when you get the thrust of this particular psalm. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Singing is biblical, by the way. And look at verse 9. Know. Okay, that, that talks about intellectual certainty. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So do you get it? God says through His Word here that the idea of creation is very important to God and it should be important to us and we ought to live our lives accordingly. He's our creator, he's our master, he's our Lord and when we realize that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, made in the image of God, think of all the verses that you know that talk about creation, what should the result be? Verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good can I get an amen on that and his mercy is everlasting and his truth remember the word of God his truth endures to all generations so think about it if you don't know that he made you don't believe that he made you then you won't worship you don't have anything to worship it's kind of a sad Thing to think that you would go through your life and you would have no peace with God and no God to serve or to worship or to adore. And if that's the case, if you don't have anyone to worship, you certainly won't be thankful because, again, to whom would you be thankful? There's not anybody. And so when we look at what the psalmist says and we uh, think about blessing the Lord, seeing his goodness or mercy or truth, see, none of this matters to an atheist there's nobody there there's nobody that created us there's nobody that's in authority over us there's nobody who has a better idea than we do there is no truth it's just up to us to discover it and when the psalmist says it is he who has made us and not we ourselves and evolution kind of sort of in a way lets it be uh, known that we, we sort of did this ourselves over time and through mutations and life and death and over all of these years you know that's why we're here but there's nobody really above us we were at the top of the evolutionary scale do you hear the pride that just drips from all of that do you hear also the hopelessness that drips from all of that uh, you don't have anyone bigger than you. You don't have anyone to turn to. You live, you die, and it's over. You live, you die, and it's over. And people and species have been doing that for millions and millions of years, and that's really just all there is to it. So while you're here, do the best you can. While you're here, live
live life to the fullest while you're here. Uh, you know, go for the gusto, grab the brass ring and uh, all of that that you can do. And it ends up being pretty hopeless and pretty pointless in this. So the Lord has the prescription. Look to him and realize that you were made by him and he is the authority in your life. Okay, I'll read Romans chapter 1 verse 20. And you remember in the first part of the book of Romans, it's all the stuff about how sinful man is and how terrible humans are in the way that they act toward each other and certainly toward God. And Romans 1 verse 20 says, mentions this thing again, For since the creation, there it is, of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, made, created, so that they are without excuse. And so uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, if you want to play that game and you want to worship a false god or just declare that there is no god at all, you're going to be confronted with the truth of that everywhere you turn on this earth and when you study it and when you look at it and when you look in the heavens and when you study all of what is going on in outer space there's going to be something inside of you that says how did this get here what keeps it from all flying apart what's going on and Paul said that is what is called general revelation it's not enough to save you you've got to know special revelation about your sin and Christ's holiness his death on the cross his resurrection from the dead and their salvation in no other name but general revelation is that that God has declared that makes us all go wow this is amazing is there not a designer? Is there not someone who put all this together? And that leads us uh, later to the truth. So a uh, special, uh, pardon me, general revelation is not enough to save you. Nobody gets saved by looking at the stars and saying, wow, there must be a designer. That's not enough. You got to know more than that, right? But it is enough to condemn you. And so when people stand before the Lord... One of the first things that they will be asked if they live their life as an atheist, did you not see everything that I have done? And then they're sent to hell forever. So it's not enough to go, oh, well, there's an intelligent being somewhere. I wonder who he is. And, well, something must be happening like that. And, you know, okay, but I won't worry about any of it. It's far beyond me. Yeah, you'll never go to heaven with that. You need to know Jesus, of course. And uh, that's the difference between general and special revelation. And then uh, speaking of revelation, in the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, in chapter 4, verse 11, we get a glimpse of what's going on in heaven before the throne. And one of the songs of Revelation says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory. We would expect that. And honor and power. He's worthy of anything you can give him. But then it tells us why. Now this might make us go, uh, hmm. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So why are they praising him in heaven? Look at everything he's made. Look at what he's done. Why the attack on earth? There is no God. He's made nothing. This is all just a colossal accident. It, it just doesn't quite add up 
when you put it all together. In fact, David wrote in Psalm 19, and I can picture him out on a hillside watching his sheep. The sun has gone down. The day is cooling off. There's a breeze blowing, and he can hear the sheep as they are uh, bedding down for the night, and he can hear them bleeding, you know, as they do, and it's just a picture-perfect night. And David is so full of joy, he writes this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork and day to day uh, utters speech and uh, night unto night reveals knowledge. Did you know that the universe is speaking right now? That as you go outside and when you look up into the night sky and you see planets and you see stars and constellations and all of that, uh, the Bible says here in Psalm 19, they're talking to each other and they're talking about God. And we don't. We like to talk about ourselves and we like to talk about how good we are and what we've accomplished, how smart we are and how ignorant ancient civilizations were and how we're glad we live in a day of knowledge and science and technology and all of those kind of things. Of course, we have technology we can't always use. How many of you have to have help whenever your iPhone doesn't work quite right? Uh, you know, and we just depend on all of those things. And how well would we, in our culture, in our day, how well would we survive if Russia or China were to do an EMP and our power grid was knocked out? Uh, some of you are old enough where you, you know how to build a fire and you know how to cook over the fire. Some of you, because you're an outdoorsman, you know how to survive or live like that. But how many people wouldn't be able to survive? It's kind of amazing. And yet we think our ancestors were just so ignorant and all of that. And yet they can do things. We have no idea how in the world that they did it. And they were able to survive. And all of that is because of the creative power of God and all of the laws of planting and sowing, reaping, the harvest and growth and all of those kind of things. I mean, what a caveman might have done to grow corn is the same thing that a farmer does now. Now, a modern farmer might do it with a huge tractor and thousands of acres, and a caveman may have had a sharp stick and, and poked holes into the ground, but the process was still the same. And if the caveman is going to survive, he's got to grow something or hunt something or whatever that might be. The same things that we're doing today, we just go... Uh, get our meat from the butcher shop instead of going out and stalking it. Some of us may do that, but you know what I mean in all of that. And yet we think that they were ignorant and that they were kind of dumb. And uh, if we were to put the two of us together and try to live the same way, we would be in big trouble, wouldn't we? And this leads us to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. These are the life-changing, world-changing uh, viewpoint changing words I mean everything changes on these words in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and everything else from that point on is going to tell us about this wonderful great powerful loving merciful and yet holy and wrathful God who has put all of this here who has created us who has given us this world to enjoy, holds the universe together. Everything else tells us all about 
this wonderful God. Tells us about sin, tells us about death, tells us about trials, tells us all of those kind of things. So think about it. The Bible, read your Bible. And when you read it, quit looking in the Bible and say, what do I get out of this? That's not really the point. What does it tell us about God? Look for God everywhere you read and in everything you do. And let the first thing you see and the first thing you understand is something about God. Then you can make application to yourself, but don't miss the point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we've looked at several verses to tell us that's supposed to be important and important to us even in our day and age. But as you can see on the screen there, there's all kinds of uh, things today that are pointing us away from God and to human supremacy and all of those kind of things. And there's a, a very demonic and satanic purpose behind all of that. I even noticed that in our Declaration of Independence, I know it's not July 4th, but uh, it says, and I quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are, here's your word, created equal, and that they are endowed by their, here it is again, creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, these God-given rights, governments are instituted among men. So the government doesn't give us our rights. The government protects our God-given rights. And there's a struggle struggle that's gone on throughout history. Unjust governments, unjust kings trying to take rights away from people and trying to say, you have rights because I give them to you and because I allow you to do that and all of them trying to usurp God and take the place of God. And that ultimately is what all of this is about. Man wants to usurp God, do away with God and live the way that he or she would like to live and so even in our declaration how far have we gotten from that and away from that because we don't believe in a creator God anymore and if you were to run for office and in a debate someone was to ask you from CNN or even Fox or somebody like that do you literally believe as a Christian in the first chapter of Genesis and you were to say yes they would die laughing they did that to Mike Huckabee a few years ago. And they would kind of, oh, and the crowd, oh, you know, and all of that. Because it seems foolish to modern man. But remember that it says in the book of Romans, professing themselves to, become, to be wise, they become fools. Okay? So evolution, think about it, it denies the existence of God. That's the bottom line. And so therefore it denies the power and the nature of God. It denies the plan and the purpose of God. It denies the authority of God. It denies the perfection of God. And it also denies death as the wages of sin. Now we read in the book of Romans chapter 3, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if, as a person told me years ago, God just started the process and now it just runs its course out through evolution, theistic evolution, we call that, what is one thing that has to happen? Well, let's, let's say two things. Two things have to happen for evolution to actually work. 
First of all, you had to have a live source somewhere. And maybe an amoeba or pond scum or something like that. But it all has to start somewhere. And secondly, the only way that makes its way up to where we are now is through death. And if you say, well, God started it and then this process over millions of years, living and dying, mutating, living, dying, mutating, then you just told me you don't believe that the wages of sin is death. You think it is the natural result of evolution and natural selection and all of that. They both can't be true. But if the word of God is true, there was a literal Adam, there was a literal Eve, they were created in a garden, they were given a commandment by God, eat of all the trees except this one, and then there came a day when Eve was talking to the serpent, and the serpent said, huh, did God really say that you couldn't eat of all the trees in the garden? Uh, Well, no, we can eat of all the trees except this one, and we can't eat this one or touch it, because if we do, we might die. That's what she said, lest we die. And then the serpent goes, no, 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 that's not going to happen. There is a better way. There's a, a way that makes a whole lot more sense. I mean, why would God put you in a garden, give you all of this kind of stuff and say, don't eat that tree? That's ridiculous. Follow the science, okay? Because if you eat of it, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God. Your ears will be open. Your eyes will be open. You'll have wisdom. And to think of all of the things you don't know, you'll know all of that now. And so Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And on that day, they died spiritually before God, right? Now, if you believe in theistic evolution, you don't believe anything that I just said. And, might I say... As lovingly as I can, you are not a Bible believer if that's the case. So don't claim to be a person of the book. Don't claim to believe the Bible. Don't claim any of that if you mess with what the Bible has to say. So evolution denies all of those kind of things and is kind of creeping into the church, um, not just among the uh, young people, even some of the older people as well. And so uh, when we think about all of those things, we are told, well, you know, you can have your Bible, you can have your church, and you can do that, but just don't believe it. In fact, they will tell us, as we have heard so often, especially since COVID, how many times have you heard this? You've got to follow the science. You've got to trust the science. Well, uh, interestingly enough, about two weeks ago or so, Dr. Anthony Fauci, you remember Anthony Fauci? Yeah. Uh, The public face of the U.S. coronavirus pandemic. He told lawmakers, this was testifying before Congress, that the social distancing recommendations forced on Americans, quote, sort of just happened, unquote. Does that make you mad? That kind of does me. How dare he? And how dare all those other people? They just dreamed it up. And all these businesses had to buy those little foot stickers and all that. How much did the sticker people make off of the coronavirus? How much did the businesses, how much did it cost them to put those things down? And all the plexiglass and all of those kind of things, the masks and everything that went on, well, it just sort of happened and were likely not based on scientific data. Trust the science. Well, how do you do that if there's not any? 
How do you do that if the science is made up, conjured up, and all of that? And I think that's where you find the theory of evolution. Go back to uh, Charles Darwin's brain and you'll find where it all came up. Not by divine revelation, not from the Bible, not from anything like that. But people just dreaming up things. And if A is true, then well, B has to be true. And if B is true, then C has to be true and completely off into uh, Error And this with the coronavirus is just one exception. They will lie. And they will twist the truth. And they will tell you something that is going to lead you the wrong way. Now when I was in about third, fourth grade, somewhere in there, our teacher taught us about the scientific method. Nothing wrong with the scientific method. In fact, Christians came up with the scientific method and some of our early great scientists that discovered so many great things that we take advantage of today were actually Christians and people like Sir Isaac Newton believed that science was there so that we could discover the glory of God. I promise you that's not the way most of them think now. The scientific method is ask a question or identify the problem. Then you form a hypothesis. And then you test the hypothesis. And then you analyze the data. And then you draw conclusions. Now, when it comes to creation or evolution, we have a problem because we can't really do that with either one of them. We can't reproduce it. We can't analyze it. We can't. So either one of them is actually, you ready for this, a faith proposition. You either believe the Word of God or you believe something else. It's not really anything that you can look down and go through a microscope. I'm observing the evolutionary process now. Look at this. Here are the transitional fossils. You remember how Dr. Ron Carlson would go to the museum in uh, London and the first thing he would do is ask the guide, "Where? take me to the transitional fossils. And they couldn't. You know why? There aren't any. There aren't any. And so uh, the science can lead you astray. Be very, very careful about all of that. But the scientific method is fine. We just can't follow it in this situation. And so they say, oh, you Christians, all you have is faith. Well, the truth is they're living by faith as well, but they're living in faith that is wrong and not authoritative, and they are denying the Lord. Now, some people say that when we look at the universe, that the universe is constantly expanding. Which way is it going? It's going out. It's not shrinking. It's going out. And we can observe that. So let's just use a little logic. If the universe is going out and out and out, man, if we could only rewind the tape, what would we find the universe doing? Shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And then there would be that one thing. They would call it maybe the Big Bang. And we would look at it and go, no, that's when God said, let there be light. And there was light. And when everything got started. And it's interesting that the universe is not shrinking. It's expanding. That's the direction from let there be light. Boom, there it goes. And it continues on to this day. And it's always moving outward. And it's not shrinking. And it's amazing the design and all of that. Now, we uh, have people that every once in a while they'll say, oh, well, we know evolution is true. How do we know evolution is true? Well, we've, we've seen these kind of things. And so uh, when we think about what we have seen and we think about the difference in species, I want, I want you to think about this. You ever seen a wolf? 
And from a wolf, you can get a poodle. Isn't that right? From a wolf, you can get a poodle. But you cannot get a, a, a wolf out of the poodle, can you? You can get a poodle out of a wolf, but you cannot get, make sure I'm saying that right, but you can't get a wolf out of the poodle. It only works one way, doesn't it? And you can see on the picture there, uh, one thing we know about those is they are both what? Regardless of their size. We know what they're going to sniff. We know what they're going to eat. We know what they're going to do. We know what they're going to mark as their territory. We know how they're going to act. And you can take little Fufu and you can fix her up and take her to the groomers and all of that kind of stuff. And then by the time you get her home and show she's so pretty and she's so cute, if you let her go into the backyard, I won't even say what she is probably going to roll in or what she's probably going to eat and throw up on your carpet because they're all just dogs. And we would say, well, we believe in microevolution because we've seen it. You can breed dogs to be different sizes, to do different things, to have different abilities and uh, for different functions. But you cannot make a dog into a horse, can you? You cannot somehow take a, 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 a chihuahua and uh, through selective breeding and all of that go, hey, Good, I finally got the horse that I've always wanted. You can't do that. Well, they would say, well, you just don't have enough time. But as you and I both know, the more time you give it, the more random it actually becomes. And we just don't have any evidence of species, something going from one thing uh, to another. And so when we observe it, we understand that it's always within a species. But if what they say is true in what we call macro evolution, macro evolution, well, if that's true, then you've got to consider these things. Number one, things and species change. Okay. And that's how all of this happened. We started off somewhere else and now look at us and look at the world around us. Things and species change. And number two, that would mean, you ready for this? That everything and everyone is related to one another if you go back far enough. Now, we agree with that to some degree. We are all related. There was one man and one woman that were created first and their names were? And we can trace everything back to Adam and Eve and we came out of them. Or we can go to Noah after the flood and uh, Noah's sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, we are all a part of the family of man that comes out of the family of Noah. And we have common ancestry there. But here's where we want to make sure we are distinct. I had a dog that uh, I had for 14 years. His name was Barry. And he was a little sheltie. And boy, he was the smartest, best dog you've ever seen. But I wasn't related to him. I don't care how far back you go, Barry and I would never, ever, ever have common ancestry. I don't have common ancestry with a tree. I don't have common ancestry with a frog. I don't have common ancestry with an amoeba. Neither do you. We were created separately. We were created 
uh, by God. And the Bible talks about God creating the universe and the earth and plant life and animal life. But when he created Adam, he made him out of the dust of the earth. And then he did something very special. He breathed into him the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. He didn't do that with dogs or cats or anybody else. He did that with Adam. Human life is sacred and they want to take away the sacredness of human life and say we're just a highly evolved mutation, an accident, we're lucky to be here. We'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Uh, there's a poem that says, Once I was an amoeba beginning to begin and then I was a tadpole with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey swinging from a tree. Now I'm a college professor with a Ph.D. Isn't that about right? Crazy, isn't it? And uh, so we also find, number three, that if macroevolution is true, then there is no rhyme or reason, reason to anything. Now I want you to think about some things I have listed here. There's no rhyme or reason to DNA. It doesn't seem to be the case scientifically, does it? It seems very consistent. Well, what about art? Why is it that we find from the earliest civilizations until today, people painted things, they sculpted things, they arranged things? Why is it that we have that in our human nature from um, all time that we want to produce something beautiful and we want to get better 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 at all of this and what about science what about the laws of science what about the laws of nature what goes up must come down is that just random or is it by the design of God what about uh, what about medicine why is it that we can be so different you have different DNA than I have and you have a different personality and your body may look different and all of that I mean not everybody can be like this and uh, you have all of that kind of stuff. And yet when the surgeon opens you up like he did me, he finds the same things for the most part. Some variations. Finds the same things. Knows exactly what to do. Because even the laws of medicine are so consistent in all of these that we pretty well know if you take this medicine, here's what's going to happen. If you go through this treatment, here's what's going to happen. And the reason we have success is because of the consistency and the things that we learn. Why is there religion in every culture upon the earth? Somebody said man is incurably religious. Why is that? Why is there a commonality in our laws in any culture? Just about anywhere you go, you're going to find that murder is illegal and uh, that type of thing. And uh, look at the seasons. Even though they keep telling us we're about to burn up and everything's going to be thrown out of whack on the earth and yet all of a sudden you find that it gets extremely cold. And those clowns that meet in Davos to talk about global warming, every year they do that, it snows. And every time uh, Al Gore has a climate warming meeting or something, there's a record cold on that. It's kind of uh, as though God has a sense of humor. And what about mathematics? Think about how consistent all of those things are so that we can send a person to the moon and bring them back safely. Amazing what we can do and amazing how computers can take all of that. And because it is so consistent, uh, we have the technology that we have. I was uh, reading about a guy named Francis Crick. He and a man named James Watson, they were the ones that discovered, he won a Nobel Prize, by the way, discovered the structure of DNA. You've heard of DNA, right? The structure of it. And here's what he said. 
biologists must constantly keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. Professing themselves to be wise, they become what? So while you're looking at this, it's going to look like it might be designed. It might look like it's created. But don't you believe it? It evolved. And you've got to keep that constantly in mind. Follow the science. Trust the science. That's an astounding quote from that particular guy. So if there's no creator, then we get to brass tacks. There's no morality. That means you can have sex with anybody you want, anytime you want, outside of marriage. It means that we can redefine marriage and family. After all, they're just cultural. They don't really matter. So make it whatever you want it to be. Marry your dog if you want to. We don't care. It means abortion is perfectly acceptable because what do you do when there are too many animals in the forest? You kill some of them off. Bring in the hunters and that way people can survive. What do you do when there's too many people? Just abort them. Just kill them. It doesn't really matter. There's really no right or wrong. And even the transgender movement is something that fits perfectly with the evolutionary system. In fact, I am waiting on this. One of these days, I believe that scientists will come out and say, transgender is perfectly normal. It's part of the evolutionary process of becoming better and better and better and better in all of that. And so um, the God who is powerful enough to create us, we need to remember this, He is powerful enough to destroy us. In the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 8, it says, He made the Pleiades and Orion constellations, and he turns the uh, shadow of death into morning or a sunrise. And he makes the day dark as night, according to what his plan is, right? He calls for the waters of the sea, and pours them out on the face of the earth. He does it if he wants to. Sometimes the seas don't stay where they belong. And that's by the hand of God. And it says, the Lord is his name. He rains ruin upon the strong. So that the fury comes upon the fortress. And so uh, I just want to end up by saying this. Abandon God like a lot of people are doing now. They call it deconstructing their Christianity, their religion. Okay, you can do that. Abandon God at your own peril. At your own peril. But here's the other thing that I like to say. Or trust God to your benefit. Because He's a loving, merciful, kind God who loves sinners, who receives sinners. We used to sing an old hymn. Some of you may remember it. Christ receiveth sinful men. There's another one that said, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Well, I'm so glad that he is. Because the Bible teaches that if you will repent of your sin and your sinfulness, and you will acknowledge him as the master, the Lord, the creator of your life, and bow before him, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord like that will be saved. Isn't that good news? And he didn't have to. He could have left us all alone and said, just evolve yourself into hell. But he didn't. He sent his son to live a life we could never live, die on a cross, conquer death, hell, and the grave that is caused not by Mother Nature or uh, evolution, but is caused by our sin. And he overcame it. He drank the cup of the wrath of God, and he drained it. And so he was 
Uh, God turned his back on his own son so that you would never experience the rejection of God, always accepted by him. And that's what the scripture teaches. Trust him and live by the faith of God. Abandon him to your own peril, but trust him to your own benefit. And that's the God that we serve. And that's why, just in a nutshell... And just a simple explanation of why we believe what the Bible says and why society doesn't function when we abandon all of those things. Can anybody say amen to that? May, may God help us to believe the Word, stand upon the Word, and even as a society to return to the Word. May we pray together? Father, we are sorry that in our education systems and our scientific discoveries in all of the blessings you have given us in medical science in uh, our space program and all of the things we, we can make air cool and we can make it warm when we need to so that we're comfortable in a building like this or in our own houses we can produce food where there are fewer farmers now on earth than probably ever in history. And yet in America, our farmers, 1% of the population, can not only feed our country in abundance, but feed other people around the world. Because you instituted the law of sowing and reaping and harvest, and it's so consistent. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to take certain animals and we can domesticate them and, and use them to make our life more cheerful and easier in some cases. We think about how people have designed internal combustion engines that we get in our car, put the key in and turn it. And we don't even think about it. We just expect it to start. And it is a miracle that we have the transportation systems that we do. You designed the laws of gravity so that Orville and Wilbur Wright could design that first plane that was heavier than air that could fly on its own because they figured it out. And now we have airplanes that just fly hundreds of miles an hour coast to coast and around the world. What an amazing world we live in. And it's not a world that just happened to come up. Aren't we lucky? You made the world in which we live. And you made us so that we could take advantage of the creation and live a life that is beyond anyone's dreams. And so I just want to say, on behalf of this whole congregation, thank you. We praise you. And we glorify you as our creator, the one who holds everything together. Thank you for letting us be a part of this wonderful earth. And thank you for your gospel that redeems us from a sinful world. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you.